These lads are mental, recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. Welcome to These Lads Are Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalise mental health. Almost half of all Australian adults will experience mental ill health at some point in their lives. And I'm one of them. About four years ago, I had a huge breakdown. Actually, my whole body just shut down and I couldn't get out of bed. But I'm not alone. And now an important conversation is building momentum. Men of my era wouldn't even complain about having an ache in the back. So there's no way in the world you would open up about having a mental health issue. Green Awareness Ribbons represent the 5 million Australians who suffer from mental health problems every year. And the problem is only growing. It's a very vulnerable thing. It is a leap of faith to talk about mental health. Over 10 days, seven Australians from all walks of life will take part in a specially designed art workshop to test whether immersing themselves in creativity can improve their mental well-being. On this week's show, we've got the cast of ABC's mental health show, Space 22. Space 22 was the first of its kind flying the wall documentary around the topic of mental health. But not only did it discuss the topic itself, it actually used art therapy as a way for the seven participants to deal with their own mental health conditions. The show is a six-part flying the wall documentary. You can catch it on iView if you've missed it for free. The show is hosted by Nat Bass, as well as her co-hosts, art psychologist Nula Diantopoulos. It also features some prominent Australian artists and musicians, including Archibald winner Wendy Sharp, Abdul Abdullah, and musician and lyricist Ed Perfect. And as you'll get from the conversation, we speak to the guys about what life was like before the show, as well as its impacts post the show and the legacy that remained afterwards. We're so honoured to have these inspirational people on our show everyday Australians sharing their story about mental health in a positive way. Enjoy. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to These Lads Are Mental. We are on episode... Five, am I right, Gary? Season two. Season two, yep. Episode yeah. 27 or 28 in total, I think. Yeah, which is, we're pretty proud of that because we've been doing some research on how long uh, podcasts last. And I think we're in the top couple of percentiles. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, we're, well yeah. Done, lot, well done. Mm. Yeah, a lot of podcasts drop off. Yeah, and we've had our challenges as well between Gary going away and Gary having a child and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, you do have, life does get in the way and uh, but you know it's it's become more than just a, a hobby I suppose for us and we uh, you know like anything that you want to do like if you believe in it you'll you'll stick at it so we're here we're still alive and we're happy to be I suppose presenting a really exciting episode today which is off the back of the ABC Space 22 flying the wall documentary would that be a good way to describe it guys yeah perfect Find the Wild documentary, yeah, which was six episodes. If you haven't caught it, go on to iView 
ABC aren't paying me to say that, but it is worth a watch. Uh, you can binge it. And we're going to chat to some of the participants there today. I was lucky enough to be one of the seven people on the show, which was an amazing life experience for me. But uh, today is not about my story. We're going to actually talk to the lovely Ray, Vivian and Tracy. So say hello, guys. Hi, Hi everybody. Everyone. How are you all doing? Hi. Hi. <laughs> so so welcome and um, we're going to kick off just with a bit of an intro so if anyone hasn't seen the show who i won't believe if they haven't because it's just the most amazing show ever perhaps we can just go around the table and do a little bit of an intro so maybe tracy if we start with you if you want to just intro yourself you know something about your background maybe some of the mental health challenges that you face so far in your life yeah, sure. So um, my name's Tracy. Uh, yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to be part of the show with these lovely people. But my background is uh, serving with the New South Wales Police. Yeah, whilst it was a, an enjoyable career, it obviously come at a cost to me. So I, I kind of bear the wounds of, of good health, if you like. And um, yeah, so 16 years in the police. I've since left the police and... Uh, yeah, working on your mental health is a daily daily chore. It's not something you can just go, oh, I'm fixed, it's time to move on. It's kind of a, a daily routine that needs to happen in your life. So, yeah, that's pretty much my background. It's pretty short, <laughs> short and sweet. Perfect. Short and sweet is good. What about you, Viv? Viv's uh, sporting an amazing T-shirt which says resistance is futile. Um, so... <laughs> We're now actually on YouTube as well, so this video will go out at some point. <laughs> oh, Neil, you could have mentioned that. Is my hair okay? Oh, you look great. You look great. Right. Yeah. So, so Are you joking, Neil? Are you uh, joking about this? No, he's not joking. No, he's not. He's I, not remember, I remember seeing that. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, Surprise. hi. <laughs> Yeah, so just no no farting, no picking your nose, you know, anything like that. Thanks. I remember that. Well, yeah, hi, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here, Neil. I'm Vivian. Yeah, I was blessed to be chosen to be on Space 22. It was like I had no idea what it was going to be like, um, but it's been life-changing because I have a whole new family of friends for, for a starter that, my confidence about telling my story has gone up through the roof, which is um, very healing. So, yeah, my story uh, is I'm a survivor of childhood sexual assault and that kind of led to a whole lot of problems, especially when I was young, ran away and lived on the, the street. So, you know, continued damage up until I was about 23 and then got into recovery. So, you know, I've got... PTSD from that and, you know, I had drug and alcohol problems. I still do, but, you know, I go to recovery meetings. So in a nutshell, that's me. Um, you know, I've worked really hard on my mental health. I've had to for the last 30 years. And um, it's not that I think Nat said it on the show. It's not that we're all good now, but we are good. But it's a daily, it's a daily thing for all of us. And this is part of it. This kind of connection and talking about it for me is definitely good for my mental health. So that's me. Yeah. Oh, we love you. Awesome. <laughs> and Ray, Ray, last but not least. Hi guys. Good to meet you. I have to echo what I was blessed, fortunate, and privileged to be chosen to go on to Space 22 because uh, it, it was life changing for me. I'm 67 years old 
Uh, so I was the oldest dude uh, amongst us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I went on it because uh, I thought it was time for me to be able to tell my story on a much broader front rather than just speaking to individual people who really weren't interested. I had a captive audience. That's all those people out there in TV land who were sitting there watching. So it gave me a good chance to say, hey, guys, you know, this is – this is me, and if you're if you're resonating with my story, then you need to go and speak to somebody. You need to get started on a a a, a road to being able to manage. Because, like uh, like Viv said, I don't think we will ever um, heal ourselves. We had a really good long discussion about healing on the show. It didn't go to air, but amongst ourselves, it was pretty interesting. I think we come to the conclusion that no, we. We weren't going to heal ourselves, but we were certainly going to be able to manage ourselves better. Mm. And uh, that's something that I surprisingly took away from the show. Um, it, oh. was a, it was a tool I ended up with to put into my a quiver of tools, and um, I use it to this day, and that's art therapy. So I was, I was very happy and pleased with that outcome. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. I also had that you know, moment at the end of the show where it's not about getting rid of whatever it is that you have. It's just about finding ways to manage it, you know, which initially it might be a bit scary because you think, I do want to just get rid of it. I don't want to feel like that anymore. But it's about bringing those coping mechanisms and tools, as you say, Ray, to just adapt them because they are also part of you. You know, those traumas, those past things that happened to you make you who you are today. So when you think about it now, yeah, exactly. Way, you don't want to get rid of them because that's who I am. You know, it's like you can't just yeah. take out the bad and keep the good, you know. I think when I um, when I do tell somebody about my story, somebody I might meet, I'm really saying to them, um, this is who I am, this is why I am who I am, and you take me or leave me. Mm. What about your background, Ray, just if you, if anyone that hasn't seen the show or doesn't know you? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm retired now. I've been retired for the past three years from full-time work. But prior to that, I was uh, spent 33 years as a researcher at the University of Technology in Sydney, and that was in uh, School of Biomedical Engineering. So pretty interesting stuff. And Viv, you're also a researcher, right? Yes, retired. Yes, you've got, you've got two um, researchers on the panel. So anything yeah. analytical or structural-wise, we are not going to beat these guys in an argument. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. never <laughs> um, well look the last little bit of the intro we actually asked this question to all guests which is basically what what do you think mental health is which when I was thinking about that a little bit more it's probably changed for you guys myself included like if I asked you this question before you went on the show versus after the show I wonder would your answers be different but rather than answering both maybe we just take it from where you landed post the show what did mental health mean to you after being on the ABC show? Maybe we'll start with you, Ray. Uh, I, have, I have to say um, I agree with your first premise, and that was that my, my attitude was or my idea of mental health was different before the show as to after the show. And, and mostly my, my mental health before the show was just tolerating day by day, going along with it, uh, taking medication because I have to take medication for my Depression, chronic depression, it's the only thing that helps. I have a double whammy, and that was that my my depression is genetic, so I got that from both sides of my mother and father's family, and it's also trauma-based, 
and intergenerational trauma-based. So I was born with depression, you might say. Um, so over the years, I just learned to cope and live with it. Uh, I did go through life thinking I was just an arsehole because of my anger issues and my um, those things that, that made me um, be a bit short with people and not a good person to be around. But when I come out of the show, I'd met some really great people and and that's yours truly, all you guys sitting there listening to this. And listening to your stories during the, during the show, during the filming, I thought, you know, I'm not alone. These guys have got stories that are worse than or, as, or the same as mine. These guys are sharing the same experiences. They're, they have the same wounds. I'm not alone, which, you know, depression and, and PTSD and all those things make you feel like you're alone, that nobody else understands you. And I found in you guys that you were just the same as me. You had the same story, that lived experience. And I come out of that thinking I can, I can better manage this now. I've, I've, um, I've got an, a, an extended family amongst you guys. So if I ever need to talk to somebody, when I'm really bad, I know I can just pick up the phone and say, hey, guys, how are you going? Hmm. But it also made me strive to improve my um, outlook, and, and that's what I do now. So I was grateful for that. Say, like, you know, you can pick up the phone now, Ray, like, and you can contact us. Like, what's the difference? Like, I just like to, to give some sort of idea. Like, everybody, there's a lot of people with mental health, but what 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 is it about the people that you can call that makes it feel lighter? Because everyone's got someone they can call, I'm sure. But what defines it being actually of assistance like for you? Well, I, w- I walked into, when I walked onto the set the very first time, and there's these, these six strangers, and I thought, mm, you know, this, this is nerve-wracking. I felt like I was a man walking to the, my, to the gallows. But... <laughs> Within, within sort of three or four hours, and I'd talk to you guys both around the, the workshop table or individually, I, I thought these guys have got the same story, that they've got the same lived experience. I felt comfortable talking to you guys. And that, and that only got easier and easier and easier as the weeks went on. And- Ray, was that... Um- was that the first time you felt that? Like, was this new ground for you? Absolutely. Like... Ab- absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I've found that trying to talk to people who, who don't suffer from a mental health illness is, is a waste of my time because I can't express it in words. How can you express, you know, the, the feelings that you have on a day-to-day basis to somebody who's never felt mm. that? And to be quite honest, you were the first group that I sat down with and had that experience with, and everybody made me feel at ease, uh, not being judged, or any nobody was judgmental, uh, and nobody nobody got all um, you know in my face about oh you poor thing and all that sort of thing because you know, you knew you just knew, and that and that's that was the hook trace that you were talking about was here's a, here's a group of people that uh, could have been were just me. There was like reflection of me. Mm-hmm. So that sort of makes sense. 
Yeah, it does. It's a, yeah, I know what you mean, Ray. If you tell someone, oh, I'm just like, you know, if you've got depression, which I have as well, and you try to explain it, and then they go, oh, just let's go out and go for a walk, or just, you know, turn that frown upside down, or you yeah. know, little things like that. And you're like, well, that doesn't do anything for me. Like, and then you just yeah. go into a worse cycle of like isolation almost that, you know, you're so, you don't understand me, as you say. And then that becomes very difficult. And then on the flip side, if people do go, oh, you poor thing, as you say, right, you then play that whole victim role, which also doesn't really yeah. help your healing in the long run either. It's not about being a victim. It's what was that quote I read recently? It's, it's, or I think Nula said it, didn't she, in the show? It's not, it's, what's wrong with you? It's what's happened to you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to get past that victim thing initially to heal, you know, which is maybe a bit more prevalent in, let's say alcoholics where you know you have to admit there's a problem first there's not that you have to admit that there's a problem with your mental health but when you're aware that this is just something that's happened to you then you can start to go past it well ironic ironically we don't want to be victims it's it's a well-known phenomenon that people who usually have a, a mental health problem or, or or an illness tend to try and hide it mm. because they don't want to be seen as a victim they don't want to be uh, stigmatized or anything like that so um, we don't want to be a victim yeah that, I'm fine yeah how are you yeah, yeah. totally okay yeah. I'm good yeah, how's life yeah great no problem and then you walk away yeah. and your your anxiety yeah. through the roof <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and what about you think... what, what does mental health mean to you post the show well it's been incredible I think as a survivor you know one of the big things about um, childhood abuse and childhood sexual abuse is that it's a secret. So, you know, I had to start keeping secrets at five years old. Very damaging, incredibly damaging when you're that young. Uh, and, you know, I started my mental health journey when I got to Sydney when I was 23, when my mum died. Um, and that was the first time I'd, in therapy, told anyone in graphic detail about my abuse. So that's the silence part of it. So you can imagine coming on a national or possibly, well, no, international show now and, <laughs> and verbalising, like, this happened to me. Um, and and being seen with that is, I, I don't think many people get the opportunity to do what I did. I can't tell you how healing that, that, that has been for me. People coming up to me in the street and thanking me and the love that I I connected with from all of you guys, from everyone involved in the show, from the general public. Um, it's freeing. It's freedom. So that's my encouragement to anyone who has had to keep those secrets. You know, that was my intent going on the show was I'm in a place where I can tell my story on that level. Um, it's giving others permission to do that. It's a long journey and it's it'll never be over, but... Since the show, I've been painting. My house is colourful. It's like it's brightened up my world as well and made new connections and it's opened up opportunities for me to tell the story even more. That's powerful. You know, I hope people when they watched or watch the show realise it's the art but it's the power of connection and and empathy, like you were saying, Ray, 
it's like that when we had that hug on the show, like when you came in, you would you only shook people's hands. <laughs> you only shook Matt Bass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then by the end of that day, you and I had that moment that they, they actually yeah. showed it, like we awkwardly mm. hugged each other because we yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm a fixed 56-year-old lesbian kind of <laughs> living in the inner west and raised like, you know, 67 year old white man. man. And it's like, I love you, Ray. Because I related yeah. to you. We had an abuse history, really violent um, for you, violent in the way it was for me. We're both uh, on the spectrum. And I just went, hey, you know, like, this is the guy. You know, I, it's do you everything. Think, do you think there was a bit of, like, for all you guys, at the end of it, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Was there a bit of that going on? What do you mean? Like for people watching? Well, like with Ray, where you were saying like this was the first time where you met, let's say, like-minded people who had been through a similar journey, like circumstances different, but the, you know, outcomes similar. Was it the first time where you kind of were able to resonate with that and go, well, if these guys can go through life and battle it, then so can I? I, I think it was more spontaneous than that because, when Viv and I were having a bit of a chat at the coffee machine there, um, I, I, I'd, I'd been listening to you guys, you know, throughout the day and listening to your stories and all that sort of thing. And Viv and I had a really deep conversation there. It was a, it was a very quick one, but I seen a human in, in crisis, and that, that was Viv. I seen, her, you know, she was, tears, were cut, tears were starting to come to her eye, and I, and I thought, she's in crisis and she needs a hug <laughs> and and Aww. i just sort of i just did it she needs a human human contact a hug and and, and i did it oh it's beautiful ray now i'm tearing up i'm a cry <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time i've ever done that in, in my life Oh my God! That's well, so we should close the sh- close the show at that point, or like an ABC are wondering about season two. That alone <laughs> is enough to do it. We just helped but, Ray but, give his first hug. Yeah, but you know, but you know, I, we've 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 had this conversation amongst us about the name Space Twenty Two. <laughs> you know, is it, it what's what's it all about? But I think space that it was our space. Yeah, we have to look at it like that. That that room. That building that was our space and it was comfortable. Mm. Very well put, Ray. Was the same space? Yeah. Yeah. For anyone, for anyone that has watched it or hasn't watched it or will watch it, the split of people that were on it was quite fantastic. We had all shapes and sizes, religious backgrounds, sexualities, and and it just. But there was commonality. So the, the one of the lessons there is that doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. You can have your own little thing, but then you there's also unity in that. And I think we show like on the show is a classic example in terms of it being an experiment. They can get seven complete strangers, but have a commonality in terms of like what we've been living through. And even you guys will say the same thing, right? On the show, the camera guys, the crew, they're all crying in the background. They're all telling us stories in between. Like a lot of this stuff happened almost off the cameras when mm. people were opening up. Like it wasn't just us. There was about, what, 40 people on set? Yeah. And they were all part of this journey. They were all sharing stories and crying. Yeah. It was just amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go back? Think, yeah, like if, if I was to reflect on, on the difference, like mental health is one of those things. As much as there's so much to say, let's talk about it, let's open up, let's share, 
for whatever reason, mental health just gives you this block that you don't want to open the can. And I don't know whether it's because you think if you get into a deep, dark hole, you're the only one that can get yourself out. Mm. So, you know, like, you know, everyone can say, oh, what's wrong? Are you okay? But at the end of the day, they're not laying in the dark thoughts. Only you are laying in the dark thoughts. Yeah. And I guess for me, the, the interesting part was is that I am a, a bit of a, a one that puts on a brave face. I certainly, and it's something I, I've done for a long time with my mental health. But the bottom line is, is that's what healed me the best is that I just disclosed that whole brave face. You know, like I just got rid of the brave face and just surrendered and just went, okay, everyone can hear my story. I'm not going to hide anything. This is how I feel. And I think since doing that, I feel so much lighter. Like I don't carry, like anyone I meet in the street that, that recognizes me through my friendships or, or the show, they know my story. I, I'm not there to hide anything anymore. And so I, mm. I almost present lightly because I have given my story and it's okay. Yeah. You know, like, so I guess that's what made me feel better is that I'm not walking with this mask on anymore. I'm like, I don't care if you know that I don't, you know, I, I suffer from mental health. Uh, you know, like I, I'm kind of proud of the scars. And was the show was the show that thing for you, Tracy? For anyone that doesn't hasn't seen the show again, Tracy is, is a former policewoman in the rescuing unit. And like out of anyone, you probably have to have the bravest face in what you do, let's say work wise, because you're there to serve yeah. and protect, right? You're an authority. Yeah, sure. You have to be solid. Um, so you yeah. probably would have had to hold all that so tight for your whole career. Was it was the show the first time you started to unravel that, or did that happen just before? No, definitely, definitely. There's parts and certain friends in my life that have known, but I've never really been able to articulate exactly what I did or what I was feeling or why I was feeling that way. I've never really been able to find the words that I thought someone could help me with. But then I, over the, the course, and, and I don't know about you guys, about three weeks before I did the, the usual flaky mental health thing, and I went, oh, no, I'm pulling out. I'm not going to do this. This is it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do it. But, uh, uh, you know, like I was convinced otherwise by the, the casting lady, and, and I went on the show, and, and I've got nothing but thanks to her because I've given a story now that now I can walk the streets without feeling that load on my shoulders that, you know, or if I behave in a certain way, people know why that possibly is. Or I have friends now who who will check in on me just they can see that I've spotted something that's triggered me a little bit and they go, you know, you're okay, should we stay? Like how should we deal with this? And and with it, that alone has allowed me not to be entirely triggered, if you like. Like, I'm like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, let's just, you know, we'll sit with it or, or whatever. I can just be honest. And I guess that's the key, just being honest with whoever you're with, with yourself. And then it just helps. Honesty in every way helps. Yeah. I remember when we, we started on the show, that first morning, I felt felt like we all made a decision to do what you just said, Tracy, that we've been given a unique opportunity to tell the truth and to tell our stories. And I think that's the way out of mental health is to healthy mental health is to share our stories. Mm. We've all got the same, but the feelings are the same underneath. I, I, have, I have to agree with you. And I think I said this um, uh, within the first 
uh, day or the second day or something. And that, that I think all of us, and, and, and more especially we four here that are here at the moment because we're, we're the older generation, we must have reached what? the next. I'm the young one. I'm one of the young ones now. You're in the middle there. You are, Neil. It's okay. <laughs> middle middle to elderly. Um, <laughs> I think we'd reached a nexus in our life with our mental health where we'd thought, you know, I'm, I'm so sick of having to cover up, as, as Trace said, you know, put the mask on and walk around with the mask. I'm so sick of this. I need to be able to tell somebody, tell everybody uh, and just get it all off my chest. Um, and and that was the reason why, um, certainly it was the reason I went on was so I could tell my story to others. And um, I just feel that we'd reached that point in our mental health management where we all must have subconsciously felt the same, that we needed to deal with it, like draw a line under and say, this is me, I have a mental health illness, get over it. Mm. Yeah, and do it like you made a good point there, Neil. You are a little bit younger than us, but um, we're, we're doing it for the next generation as well. Because if we can stop this stuff in, you know, you said, Ray, multi generational, if we can teach the kids, you know, to come up and be honest about their feelings and not hide away, um, it is a way out of isolation. Isolation leads to anxiety and depression. And um, we've all got to come together. So, what what that show did was gave a whole lot of people permission to be real, to tell the truth, mm. to reach out, and it takes community for that. So we yeah. need to build community was, around this was, stuff. It was brave as well, like brave, not only for all you guys going on it, because, you know, even the night before, I don't know if you guys were the same, I was like, oh, like you were trying to say, Tracy, will I pull out? I still have time to pull yeah, out here. I was yeah. crying. There was a bit of that from us, but also brave from the ABC, the producers, all the, the thoughts that would have to go. And like, imagine all the loops to go through to get the, the show out there. And like the show, we we're obviously lucky to be on the show. And, you know, that is once a lifetime opportunity. But like the show is really just an analogy of you coming out, so to speak, about your emotions. Like for anyone listening, you don't have to wait for a show. Like you can do this with yeah. your own, your own yeah. community. And your point, Viv, is very... Uh, poignant because we've spoken to the Batir mental health charity who work with the youth and they say 75% of mental health conditions manifest before the age of 18. So if you're not aware of it at that stage, it will have more lasting effects to you when you throw adulthood. Whereas if you were like what you were saying, if you can deal with them in the moments, you know, ultimately you'll be better in the long run. So hopefully for the next gen, we are arming them with more tools that this doesn't take over their life, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah, I think speaking of the speaking of the tools and the tactics and also the bravery you have mentioned, one thing that struck me as definitely brave and inspiring, you've come out and spoke about it, which obviously has been healing for you. But one thing that was really impressed me is the fact that and I, I seen it on uh, online Ray, that you are not a fan of art in general. Is that correct? Before. I hadn't done any art at no, all. No, I never no. touched it. Then, like, oh, okay. I, I wasn't a fan of. Yeah, right, so we haven't, we haven't even, we haven't even mentioned, we haven't even mentioned. If anyone hasn't seen the show, yes, it's about mental health, but it was using art therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I felt like, look, to see that. Well, I mean, not many people have have used art. I used it in high school. That was it by force, pretty much mandatory art class. And people didn't don't like it. Haven't used it. But one thing I liked about it was, he's all had to first be brave to talk about what you've been through, but you also had to take yourself out of comfort zone and try something. Let's let's be honest. I mean, someone told you art therapy of all things is going to help your mental health. You'd be like, ah, don't know if it will. 
don't know if it will. And to go on national TV to do that, I think it's superb. So credit to you for that. But piggybacking off of what we've mentioned in terms of, Ray, you mentioned it's another tool in your toolbox. We get a lot of expert guests on here to talk about different tactics and tools. But I do feel like a lot of the tactics and tools, people are reluctant to try them because they haven't tried them before. They're inexperienced with them. Or they've got a bad experience with them trying them previously. Maybe it didn't work. Would you have any advice for anyone who maybe is suffering from even a day-to-day mental health thing, or like you said, it is a day-to-day thing, that maybe to try something new? There's one thing, yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, Absolutely. Um, And I'll use the word that um, Ronnie was famous for using, and that was that art was wanky. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I I said a number of times that um, if the world went to shit, the first thing we could get rid of was art. Uh, because it was of no value to. No you value said that to, to Wendy Sharp. <laughs> yeah. You said that to Wendy Sharp, right? Yeah, I said An that to Wendy Sharp. So I basically took her future, her, her her career, and tossed it in the bin. But anyway, <laughs> um, but it is true. Like if you, uh, when whenever governments cut their budgets, what's the first thing they do? Ah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Ah. So they obviously have the same view. But uh, let me get back to my point. Um, uh, if I can remember what it was. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, when you go and see a psychologist, and, and I've, I've, in the last 20 years, you know, I've probably seen a dozen, and um, the very first thing they want to do at me is whip out their, their textbooks and talk about CBT, so this cognitive behavioural therapy. Now, what the hell is that? <laughs> it covers a lot of things, but... Uh, that gets overused and it was a tool that I found that was of no value to me and I couldn't even find myself to start picking up cognitive behavioural therapy, which was, you know, um, doing all these crazy things. But I found that I I could get into the art, although I'd gone through life thinking that it was a waste of my time and I had no talent and I should be doing things that were a little bit more uh, serious. I found that the art was easy to get into, and not only that, I found that I was wasn't too bad at it. Although I did a, ah, I, I was, I was saying to, I was you're saying great, to Trace right? that I, I, and this is this is something for me to. I sat down and started to do a um, uh, a self portrait, painting a self portrait. But when I got to the nose, it turned out to look like a pair, a dick and a pair of balls. And I just painted over it and thought, no, no self-portraits of me. But <laughs> I, I find that that doesn't worry me where once upon a time it would. I just thought, no, I'll go and do something else. Mm. So, yeah, definitely try different things, but don't hook yourself totally to the psychologist's wagon because I think mm. they're stuck in their ways. Yeah, because like if you if you go to a psychologist, you're gonna get bad ones, right? You'll go to a restaurant and you'll have a bad meal. It doesn't mean you're not gonna you know stop eating. Yeah. So if you have yeah. had a bad experience, yeah, that's obviously not great. But don't let that deter you from going on. Yeah. And and the other thing about art, every one of the experts that had to deal with us, the very first thing they had to do was break down the barrier that we had created in our own heads that we were shit at whatever. So we did yeah. photography, like painting, multimedia. Uh, creating a song, singing. And on the first day, we are all like, oh, I'm not going to do that. We all said the same, I'm not fucking singing on the stage. Are you mad? Yeah. By, yeah. by the end, we were all, you know, thought we were Mariah Carey. Give me there. that mic. Give me that mic. <laughs> but I think, yeah. you know, that first exercise that we did with Abdul in regards to uh, the, the, for those that didn't watch the show, 
that the image was about dressing up how you were perceived or how you believe you are perceived. Well, I think that would be a really fun night to have with your friends to, to, to make creativity and art something. You yeah. say to your friends, I'm going to have a dinner tonight, right? You have to come dressed as you think people you perceived as. And then you do like a big photo collage like and make like a video or something. And I think that would be – I don't think there would be too many people because all of us were at our lowest point coming into the show for that exercise. And I'd have to say it. Were, I, I walked away from that exercise feeling so upbeat just because it was creative. I sort of expressed how I felt I was, I was seen. And I think you could do a really good exercise at home with a group of mates and start a conversation through why did you turn up looking like, you know, a shit bag or, or you know, like whatever that may be. And then that's the conversation started. And it wasn't an awkward place to start it. It was a theme, you know, a theme of a party. And I think yeah. that's what we have to come up with, creative ways of how mental health can be approached if you like you know well if you think about us as humans right what do we use most to communicate our words and through writing let's say two of the predominant things to be used we rarely use the visual arts to express our feelings and correct me if i'm wrong but over the course of that four weeks where the show was shot there's no way we would have been able to express what we put down on that paper through words or writing alone and also the connection between all of us in the environment, I mean, brought it out more. Like I went certainly to depths that I never had been before. And it was only because of the art that I was able to do that. When someone says, like, paint the emotion of anger, like, you have to go, what does that? And like, everyone was coming up with different, like, you know, that was like a real eye opener. Like, well, how do you paint anger? How do you paint fear? Well, um, you know, the, the, the best example of that was the, on the show. And if you haven't seen it, got to watch this but that was the first exercise that wendy gave us and that really took us to places in our oh. mind that we really found difficult to difficult. deal with and that was just to draw shapes and colors like mm. like we would done in my, my three-year-old granddaughter does in in school she sits there and draws in colors and shapes and yet here we are adults. Let's hope she doesn't come home that drawing was... dick and balls. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Poppy. Uh, here's Poppy. <laughs> uh, I think um, that really that really um, was intimidating and confronting when we were to sit there and use colors to express our feelings. Yeah. So mm. Wendy really is, knew um, how to get to the nub, didn't she? <laughs> it is, like, strictly speaking, like there was through the show, there was Nuala and Catherine Boydell from the Black Dog Institute really talking about neuroplasticity and opening up new pathways. And I definitely felt that my brain did a big shift on the show. Yeah. Like I could actually feel it. And there's no explanation. I mean, it's really hard to measure all that kind of stuff, but the impact on colours and nonverbal communication, it felt like that was what was missing in my life was that there are times where I cannot express the depth of my suffering. That sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's darkness. And being able to have paints and paintbrushes and easels in my house and be able to paint fucking oh, colours, and to be to do that for myself is powerful and palpable. So it's, a, it's something I can do individually as well 
and it does shift something in my brain. So the science behind it. You said it earlier on that when you have mental health condition, it manifests in a different way. Like you come across as a shithead or you're a bit short with people. But that's normally when you don't know how to deal with things or if you get to a wall and then you go, well, because I do, I walk away from, if I'm having an argument with someone, they go, oh, you don't fucking understand me. And then I just walk away and then I do the silent thing. But have you guys found that through the things that have happened to you that your mental health has manifested in ways that people think it's one thing, but really there's actually just unresolved trauma going on? Yeah, look, trauma can come up at any time um, with triggers and all of that. Um, It's just being able to recognise it a lot quicker and being able to self-soothe because when somatic trauma comes up and Ray and, and Tracy, we've all got PTSD, like Nola did with you, Tracy, on the show, that was you had no control over what was happening in your body at that point. But it's yeah, the- and that's kind of the funny thing. I think I said that at the time. Like I knew in my head, like I, I could rationalise that, that something wasn't real. It wasn't my initial, like my, a real trigger, the brain be the example. But I said to her, my body didn't know the difference and it just yeah. reacted without me even consciously. Like I was trying to tell it, it's, it's not a brain. It's not, you know, it's, there's mm. nothing happened. Everyone's okay. But yeah. my body didn't have the same response. It still went into... The threat yes. mode, you know? Yeah. 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 You, you can't think your way out of that trauma. It, you have to mm. process it. But what we probably have done is develop strategies in our head to stop that from, from happening. And stopping mm. that process means that it comes out in all kind of, kinds of different ways, anxiety, depression, um, isolation, you know, mm. being detached from our bodies. So I think that art therapy is a way to connect through that and then yeah i mean does that well, speak to the question you're asking like how- well, i think yeah i think you what you're talking about there is the newlet spoke about the window of tolerance and yeah. if your window when you're battered by your condition your window of tolerance gets small small and and, and narrow mm-hmm. and then anything yeah. can trigger you whereas if you build resistance and resilience your window gets bigger and for tracy yeah. it was her seeing a brain which reminded her of being on a crime scene back in the police days and yeah. um, and obviously that that sent her over i had one when i saw mohammed having an episode my body took over because i think my brain thought that was me having the episode even though it was a completely different person my brain started thinking you're having a panic here so you need to have a panic it was like that is mental i know there is studies around that with frogs and stuff where if you you take yeah. the brain out and you put things in there they'll still think it's like it's just insane that's a whole nother conversation but that's, yeah, build, the whole... building the window of tolerance, I think, yeah. is what Nula kept saying, you know. Yep, exactly. The window of tolerance. Yeah. It gets easier. It, you, I get to recognise it a lot quicker and go, and like, oh, I need to look after myself and I'm safe and where am I? I'm in the art studio, you know, bringing us back down to a level mm. that we can um, be present at least. That somatic response is what Viv has mentioned there a few times. So somatic is like your body, your body's response. So you've got your brain and your body. So sometimes your brain can be the one that has gone off to a spiral. And if you use somatic responses, as in tensing your muscles, deep breathing, spotting was another tactic that Nula used where, you know, yeah. pick five things that are red and explain what they are. And if you refocus your prefrontal cortex, is that right, right? Science yeah. guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you it. can then recalibrate your 
sympathetic and your parasympathetic mind to back to calmness. So that's yeah. the importance of what I think you're saying, Viv, is like training your brain to know you're in that scenario and then what you can do to bring yourself back is important, right? Yep. What what are sort of things that had you guys tried in the past before you went on a show that was effective or ineffective? Exercise is a good one. If I feel like I'm starting to go down in my down cycle, I just drop whatever I'm doing. And I mean, just drop it. If I'm washing up or if I'm doing anything, I just go, right, that's enough. I can feel myself sliding and I'll go for a walk. And I might yep. go for a walk for an hour. Um, that helps greatly. Yep. Psychologists I've given up on because I never ever seem to get much help from them. Yeah. Not, that I'm, not that I'm saying that you shouldn't deal with them, but um, yeah. it, it, it's like a medication for depression. You're not supposed to say yeah. that, Ray. <laughs> you you got to go, go through a few before you find the one that actually works yes. for you. Yeah. That, that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, for me, yeah. um, psychologies, um, specialised psychologists, so people trained in um, childhood sexual um, assault, specific psychological support has been absolutely imperative for me to debrief, to talk about it. But I agree with Ray, it's getting harder and harder to find those services. So, you know, this whole thing about, you know, it, it boils down to yeah, we need to. We need resources in this area. I mean, this is now going to become a bit political, but yeah, I mean, the services are being shut down. It's getting harder to find support. So, mm. yeah, it's a yeah. bit scary. It, you know, when 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 it when it's stuff that you know, I couldn't sit down and talk to a friend about what specifically happened to me and the memories that I have. So, psych- a psychologist has been really important. Um, but yeah, they're getting harder and harder to find, aren't they, Ray? You know, mm-hmm. and if you're on a pension or you're not working, and you, because mm-hmm. of your mental health, it is impossible. So, well, the the cost of going and seeing a psychologist now is is sometimes prohibitive to some people. Right. But what what I will say is that a psychologist is one on one, and that's great. But if you can find a group of like-minded people or lived experience, let me say lived experience people, yeah. because that seems to be the the mm-hmm. flavour of the month, that term. It if is. you can find a group with the same lived experience, you'll get more out of it. Mm. What about you, Tracy? What, what have you tried in the past? Uh, look, I've definitely, for me, it's all been about action sort of sports. So putting myself in a, almost a place of fear so the, the fear overtakes like and, and produces like an adrenaline for a quick shot for me to get past the moment. Has that been ideal? It worked and, and it did work, but it wasn't enough. And and I guess what I've, you know, over the years I've tried different things like whether it be, you know, forms of meditation. I really found it because I've got such an active mind and I'm, a, I'm an overthinker, I really found it tough to sit in that space mm. and it become more of a frustration to meditate yep. than anything else. Same. But that's where, uh, like, I've never touched art and, and after I was given the example throughout uh, Space 22, I actually find now that when I do my art, I actually, and it, it's just simple rubbing and playing, I actually go into a form of meditation where I'm not in my head, I'm actually just, thinking like a texture and looking at shades and, mm. and shadows and light and dark. And and once I get into that space, I can, I can start doing something to do with my art for maybe three hours and feel like I've been there for half an hour. So I go into it like a full meditation space. 
or and I've never been able to found that through any other medium. So for me personally, mm-hmm. it's changed that I'm not in my head for at least three hours a day. I'm mm-hmm. actually out of my head and just, mm-hmm. I, I've silenced my brain. And to me, that's the reward. I, I just, you know, sure that having people around me and a community and, and extra, you know, friends to talk to is, is definitely a blessing. But quietening my, my brain has probably been the best for me. I love that. That's yeah, my little quote, Tracy, because I yep. agree 100%. Yep. And would you say, yeah, guys, yeah. Um, I was going to reference as well that there's also bad things that you do to cope with it as well. So, you know, for me, it was drugs, alcohol, even some things as trivial as your own self-appearance, buying clothes, gifts to give you a, sh- a shot of self-worth. And even if you do something positive, I found with myself that I have this like addictive personality where I'll pick up cycling. I'll do it for six months. I'll buy all the gear. have no idea. And then I'll drop it. Then I'll do running. And then I'll drop it. Then I'll do something else. So it's like a constant thing of like trying to prove your own self-worth by hoping to attach it to something, which is the next phase I'm trying to look at. Try, well, what? why am I doing that? While some of them are actually positives, like cycling is good for you. But it's the addiction part for me that is the yeah. same. Yeah. So trying to resolve that is is key. Have you have you guys found like that you've slipped into those positive and oh. negative areas? Oh, so yeah. my story has been about oh, I'm in twelve step recovery because I can't heal unless I'm clean and sober. So that's boom. Bottom line, some of us go in that direction, whether it's genetic or situational. I don't mind. I don't. I don't think about that so much, but. Unfortunately, that that can lead, yeah, heavy addiction, heavy alcoholism, and this stuff is deadly, you know, untreated in combination with PTSD or mental health. People die from this. So, yeah, absolutely really good point. There's survival skills, you know. Mm. I survived as a child because I found drugs and alcohol to to soothe my trauma. You know, I thought I, think, I was going to yeah, die. I think, I think it's interesting that you say that because it, it really scares me for the up-and-coming generations that drugs now are such a common theme and drugs are, like with every good high, there's a good low, right? And, yeah. and sadly, you've got young the, the younger generation that are walking down, walking the streets Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, possibly Thursday, in, in, in downer mode and really struggling having anxiety attacks and then finding the only way that they can pick that up is on the weekend picking up another another load of drugs. So it's this really bad mental health cycle that we're just kids aren't finding the joy in just presence anymore. Their level of joy is a heightened drug 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 like joy. And that really scares me because, you know, they don't know how to party without having a drug. Right, because mm. they can't mm. get to that level. So we've got this cycle now of Friday, Saturdays are perfect, Sunday's doing all right. Then we've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the workforce where we're just like they're, they're psychological messes, you know. And then mm. they're thinking, well, shit, the only way I can pick this up is go again Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that, that that's like more regular now than it is not, you know. And that mm. really scares me in a mental health space. Exactly. Well said, Tracy. Yes. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Ecstasy was my drug of choice. I loved like electronic music, and it got to a point where it got bad, where I couldn't go out on a 
Friday night or Saturday night unless I had like an ecstasy tablet. So I'd be in the pub with the lads or whatever, just drinking, and I'd be like, "This is so boring. Like, like mm-hmm. I need to escape this. Like, and I, I, and when I when I first became aware of that, that really frightened me because I thought, Jesus, like you're pretty bad here, mate. Like this is a this is a major problem. Um, and it wasn't soon after that that it was one day I couldn't get out of bed till like 8 p.m. And then I was like so afraid. God, I'm actually like welling up here a bit. Um, it was just so scary. And I remember thinking, you've got a real problem here, mate. And then the worst thing is nobody knew. Like mm. I felt so alone at that time because mm-hmm. like it was only me trying to get out mm-hmm. of that hole and still trying to pick up the pieces from like the damage that all that kind of stuff caused. But yeah, it's, yeah, fuck, I don't even know what the answer is to any of that, but I mean. Talking every, about it is the answer. Talking yeah. about it and just, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, just trying to find highs without going to a, to a chemical, you know, like just mm. finding the joy and spending time with mates is actually beautiful. Like we've lost that simplicity of like just spending time with people as a joy, you know, like like we're Trace, gonna do in a few hours. We're all meeting Trace up there. in the city Trace, um, go and watch yeah. diving. I mean, this is the yeah. connections we've made. We've been on holidays together. We mm. know each other. We've experienced this uniqueness together. And now mm. we're going, yeah, we, we make plans. We've created oh. a little social scene. Oh. I think Trace touched on one of the worst aspects of having a mental health illness or one of the one of the major things people do to themselves that causes damage, and that's isolation. Yeah. You know, they shut down, lock themselves in, and don't have anything to do with anybody. And um, I that's my worst offense that I do. I just shut myself up and, and don't deal with people. And that's not good. I, I understand that and I can appreciate that, but it's just so difficult. Yeah, and that's the problem with, like, when you have anxiety or depression, that the more you lock yourself away, the, the worse that actually feels for you. you. It's not, that's not a solution that can work, unfortunately. Yeah. Just thinking of the legacy of the show, you guys mentioned it, you know, art was obviously the conduit, and you guys ended up doing an art exhibition, which is amazing, that was on only a few weeks ago. We actually had a These Lads Are Mental NFT as part of that, through Scott Kirby and, and the artist, which was phenomenal. Where where to next, like with the legacy of things? Onward and upward. Love it. <laughs> Just, you know, it, it's given me a bit of a platform to do more. It's an opportunity. I think we've been given a gift to do more. I know we're all doing bits and pieces with different institutes and, you know, having a voice. Yeah. So yeah, it's really great to come on the show and, and keep talking about it. That's where I'm going. Same, same here. It's given me a, um, a a bigger interest in being an advocate or, or advocacy, not just for myself but for others. And I was telling Tracy the other day, but I've applied for a position with the National Health Commission through their suicide prevention office to be on a um, a team of people who are looking into, you know, what what do we need to change? How can we change things to to try and get the suicide numbers down? Well, yeah. taking a special taken a special interest in the suicide aspect of mental health. Yeah, I've taken a, a, a special interest in the suicide side of things. So I'm keen to get onto this group, this committee, and um, I've, I've put in my expression of interest. Haven't heard anything back yet, but we'll see. 
Well, good luck, mate. Yeah. Hopefully, that. That's, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, good luck. Thanks. We normally end with these quick fire questions. So, Gary, do you want to? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just quick fire questions. You've got, I'll try and wrap it up within 60 seconds, two minutes. So, between the both of you, we'll ask you four questions and you just give us a short sentence to the answer. So, the first question I'll go um, first question, Vivian, when are you at your happiest? When I'm at home with my cat and my music. What about you, and Ray? My heart and my friends. <laughs> I'm happiest now when I'm in touch with with my friends here, my extended family, or my daughter and and granddaughter. Lovely. Okay, so Vivian, out of ten, where would you rate your current state of mental health? Oh, really high, nine. Oh, I love it. Oh, wow. What about you, Ray? Oh, I'd have to say probably about a seven. Seven. Still yep. up there. Still high. I mean, I should, we should have it like, there's no wrong answer there. <laughs> it's not like nine out of ten. Well, well done, babe. Unless Can you're I down go? zero, then you better start asking some harder questions. <laughs> yeah, we'd be like, you better call us after this. What about, um, what about the world's mental health? Start with Vivian. What do you reckon that is out of ten? The world's mental health awareness. Oh, I think it's a, around three or four. Yeah, I think it's not very well at the moment. Ray? Yeah, I'd have to say the same, probably even lower. It's not very well at all. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guests have said was even in Australia, ours might be high when you actually were, if you were to survey every human on earth, then like the number would be even lower, right? Because yeah, we, we're in a little bit of a bubble of like having, yes. even though we do have limited services, we are in a developed country. Whereas what about those who aren't? You know? Yes. Yep. Uh, last question. If you had to give people one thing, to do every day that would improve their mental health, what would it be? Vivian, you go first. Just one thing. Listen to David Bowie. Pray, pray. Pray. uh, Sorry, Uh, do something creative. Paint, um, something creative and painting is a good good start or start off with a bit of drawing. I think that's the first time we've had those two answers here. Sorry. Pray and paint. Pay and pay. I tell you, Viv, I thought you were going to say listen to David Bowie. Uh, Viv, oh, yeah, David well, Bowie. I pray. He's on in the background. He's <laughs> on. Yeah, I listen to music, yeah, but I yeah. guess the prayer is have faith, yeah? Have you, uh, you're a big music fan, Vivian. Have you, um, you should try Mary Huang's uh, music, Mental Health. Have you tried that before? Heard no. of it? So oh, you yeah, should, it- should send that through to Vivian. We had one of our previous guests, Mary Huang, who's a, a psychologist, but she's took music as a way of like sort of like music therapy. Really? You basically oh, have head that. two hours, headphones on, and you go through it. It's brilliant, very, very cool experience. Oh, please yeah. do. Yes, yeah, they, I'll try anything. Yeah. Yeah, she runs she's the founder of the Indigo Project, which are in Surrey Hills. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then the that music experience Gary mentioned is called Listen Up. And both Gary and I have done it. It's wild. You basically Lie in your in your house, light a candle, lie on the floor, and you just let go, and they bring you on this two hour musical experience, and it's just oh, no way to. I've just... got goosebumps. Please <laughs> yeah, send it to me. Yeah, it sounds as, as to use Brahman's phrase, it sounds wanky. You know, like, oh. you're like what? Lie on the ground, listen to the music. I do that no. anyway, but no, this 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 transports you to a whole other. Yeah, the music you... the music's been carefully selected uh, with obviously her expertise and uh, uh, a certain musician. Uh, based around how the brain reacts to certain songs, etc. It's pretty cool. Love it. yeah. That's brilliant. I see that's such an easy thing to do. I love it. 
Yeah. And what about connecting with you guys, like, um, or anything, like, any way people can get in touch, or do you want to keep that private, or? No, I mean, look, connection. I, 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 I'm, I'm a volunteer at the Addison Road Community Organization. So I run an organization called the Welfare Alliance. So people can contact me through that, welfarealliance2020 at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, if you can find me on Facebook, send me a friend request. Um, <laughs> Instagram, I've started using that since the show, and it's a really great way to get the message out there. I like I like it a lot more than Facebook. So I'm on Vivi Street Life on Insta. Follow me. Yeah, because I've got lots of artists, friends, and it's a really just a really good way to connect community if you use it in the right way. I, I will say this: I know the guys won't admit this, but like we've got like Viv and Ray, in my opinion, like two superheroes of the show. They've actually gone on to be in various interviews, and there's lots of other projects that they're working on on the side, and their their own stories is phenomenal, and how they shared it's just very very special. So uh, I don't think. It'll be the last we hear of these two. So keep your eye out for <laughs> magazines exactly. or national publications or further TV shows. I feel like something might be brewing there in the background. Something is brewing in the background. <laughs> but we won't talk about it on this show. We'll, we'll wait till yeah, it, we'll wait till there's the camera in, in front of my face before we talk yeah. about that. Yeah. But yes. Awesome. And what about you, Ray? Did you want to say anonymous or? Uh, Instagram's fine. Um, yeah. Ray.7. And uh, if it gets anything... Uh, that's for a good introduction, but then if they wanted to take it offline and I feel inclined, then I could take it offline. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ray, Vivian, obviously Tracy, who's left. Uh, my pleasure. It was great. Oh, you Brilliant. too, Gary. It's really Anytime, nice to meet mate. you. Yeah. Could you understand them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have to lie. Oh, yeah, what, what goes on in our heads, it's, it gets difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Love you so much. and I'll see you guys later. All right, cool. See you in there. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzhere, and the Black Dog Institute.